AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. The proud home of your Los Angeles Dodgers. Welcome to off-season Dodger talk. My ball left field is on its way and a grand slam home run. Hosted by your favorite Dodger insider for this off-season, David Vassay. To be a part of the show, call 866-987-2570. You're a true professional, brother. And subscribe and podcast us wherever you listen to shows. Now, here's David Vassay. Welcome to Dodger Talk. David Vassay with you until the bottom of the hour as we lead you up to UCLA basketball. And, yeah, it's good that we're on even for this short amount of time to just get everybody up to speed on what's going on as far as the Major League Baseball's lockout against the players. And, look, it's not a surprise there will not be a deal today. It it really isn't. And I warned against getting on this roller coaster of these tweets and these reports from all these media people down in Florida. You know, John Heyman tweeted over the weekend that they were getting close to a deal. They were optimistic about a deal. You had Zach Britton call him out and say, that's not accurate. So you have to understand where the information is coming from. Not only are they trying to get a deal done, you would assume, but also Major League Baseball is trying to control the public narrative. And they use for lack of a better word, some of these writers to get their message out to make it seem like we're doing everything we can. The players are just not being reasonable. Well, I got news for you. Both sides have not been reasonable. Both sides should have been able to come to a deal by now, and it takes two to tango in any divorce. It's not just one person's fault. It it takes two to cause the problem, and it's both sides Right now, the players and the owners, but the owners have got to find a way to take a leap towards the middle. That's the one thing that I haven't seen too much of, the owners uh, not coming to the middle. And when I say not coming to the middle, there's one big issue that nobody wants to seem to address, at least publicly, and that is the luxury tax, the luxury tax threshold. We know it really well here in Los Angeles over the last 10 years because Mark Walter, Todd Bowley, and the rest of this ownership group have been very competitive, trying to put out a winner while trying to cultivate the minor leagues. And look, they've gone over the luxury tax every year except once. Right now, the mid and low market owners seem to be controlling the bargaining negotiations considering Dick Monifert the owner of the Rockies, who has his own issues out there, is at the uh, negotiating table for the majority of this before Rob Manfred showed up in Florida just a few days ago. So this goes back to 94 and 95 when there was uh, a work stoppage and the World Series was canceled. There is this underswell of lower and mid-market teams that make up, let's face it, the majority of the league that don't want the big boys like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox to be living in the $260 million stratosphere of payrolls. But that doesn't mean you win a championship. They're trying to win. They're trying to put out a good team out there. And yeah, some of their expensive mistakes can be covered up with more money. If the Pirates make a a mid to large commitment to a player, 
and the player doesn't perform, that's a huge hit to them. They can't recover from that sort of mistake like the Dodgers or Red Sox can. But I'll reiterate this, and I thank Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for spelling this all out and doing the math for all of us. The Dodgers had a payroll last year of $285 million. They paid the largest luxury tax in all of the league this past season of $32.6 million. Now, if these owners, these mid to lower tier owners, got their way in this new collective bargaining agreement, the Dodgers would pay on that same payroll this season close to $60 million. That certainly would deter any team from spending over the luxury tax threshold, which they want to lower even more to a threshold of $214 million. That doesn't seem really fair. And why should the players have to you know, try to control spending of owners? That's not their job. If an owner doesn't want to pay a player, then don't pay him. If another owner is willing to give Mookie Betts a $350 million extension, all the power to them. <laughs> so, you know, I just don't understand it. And it's weird how we're back to where we were in 94 and 95, where owners are trying to protect themselves from each other. That's not the case. And revenue sharing was put in place for the Pittsburghs of the world, the Clevelands of the world, the lower tier markets to get free money. Let's face what it is. It's free money from teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox to reinvest and be competitive with their major league roster. And a lot of these teams have not done that. 15 teams last year did not have a payroll of $100 million last year. That's half of the league. Look at the NL West before the Padres stepped up a few years ago and before Farhan joined the Giants. It was the Dodgers and nobody else. Everybody else was a clear second, third, fourth place. The Rockies and Diamondbacks need to use the dollars and reinvest it into their team consistently, not just for one year, not just for two years. And some players have told me GMs get rewarded for tanking. A great example is the GM in Detroit, Al Avila. For the last five or six, seven years, they've been tanking, trying to generate draft picks and get higher picks to get better players, and they're getting closer to that now, but they were taking the same path that the Cubs and Astros took for a five-year period where they're not even trying. And that's why the players want to institute a draft lottery. And that's going back and forth. I don't understand why the owners just wouldn't do it the way the NBA does it and the NHL does it, where the top 10 or the worst 10 teams go into a lottery. And that prevents teams from trying to do what the Cubs and Astros did and what the Tigers have been doing the last five or six years. So I just don't understand that. I really don't. And to solve all of this, the players want to prevent teams like the Tigers from tanking, the only way you can do that is to put a salary floor in. That That's the only solution. It's not raising the luxury tax because that's just meant for the bigger market teams to continue to spend big. But if we're talking about trying to get the Oakland A's of the world, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the world to spend, it's to put a salary floor 
of $100 million. That's the way you solve tanking. Because the Oakland A's, as soon as this lockout is over, they're going to trade their best young player in Matt Olson because he's a free agent soon. Matt Chapman from Cal State Fullerton, he may not be on the level of Matt Olson, but he certainly is a really good player that they're going to try to trade for the same reasons. And the way you prevent that from happening is a salary floor where the A's would pay Matt Olson what he's worth in arbitration and also on the free agent market to prevent or discourage a guy like that being traded. But that's not going to happen because if there's a salary floor, the owners will tell the players, well, then there has to be a salary cap. And the players' union does not want that. And that's why they're fighting this luxury tax threshold because the lower the threshold is, the harsher the penalties you have for teams that go over it, it's going to be functioning like a hard salary cap. Look, we all know Mark Walter, Andrew Friedman, and the rest of the Dodgers want to win. But it w- if it was me, if it was me, and I had to pay $60 million in revenue sharing to these smaller market teams that are not doing much of anything with it, it would be hard for me to swallow to take my payroll that high and to get those type of penalties. Not to mention draft picks taken away, whatever other penalties they want to make harsher than what are currently part of the collective bargaining agreement. So that's where we're at. It's it's not going to end tonight. It's not ending tomorrow night. I have told you to be prepared from what I've gathered that spring training, the best case scenario for spring training is to start towards the end of March. And the timeline is everybody asks me, well, what does that mean? When would the season start? Well, add five weeks to whenever the season, whenever they have an agreement. So let's say they come to an agreement the last week of March. Add five weeks to that because Rob Manfred has been on the record as saying once an agreement is reached, spring training will start a week later. So that's one week. And also, he's on the record as saying spring training, no matter when it is, will be four weeks. It's usually six to seven weeks. It will be four weeks. So that's five weeks right there. And if they find a a compromise by the end of March then that'll be opening day somewhere in the April 18th, 19th type of range. And look, I'm not, and this is Dodger talk, by the way, as we lead you to the bottom of the hour for UCLA basketball, we have a short amount of time and just want to reiterate the fact that this is not doomsday. I want to reinforce that. It's not doomsday. No matter what you see online or social media, It's not doomsday. They don't have a deal tonight. Does it stink? Yes. Players have texted me throughout the day. This stinks. Not good. Those type of things are being sent to me because they want to be out there. They want to be in Arizona or Florida right now, and they're not. They're stuck at home, and we all want to see them out there, but this is not doomsday. As long as opening day is before May, I will say Things are just fine. It's just one of those years. It's not an opportune time considering what's going on in different parts of our world right now. We're still trying to get out of the pandemic. But these are some of the pains 
that you go through when it's a billion dollar industry. It's not just a game. It's not your kid at Little League. It's not. No matter how much you want to try to classify it, it's not. It's billions of dollars, billion dollar owners trying to keep their big piece of the pie while the players with the growth of the sport, the billion dollar exponential growth of the sport, want a bigger piece of the pie and they don't want to shrink it. They don't want to shrink that pie. They don't want to limit teams from spending. They want more teams to spend. And that's what this is all about. The number one fight, you can hear about everything else. Uh, arbitration, uh, the draft, expanded playoffs. Those are all mechanisms of the owners finding a way to come to the middle and ease up on their demands for harsher restrictions on the luxury tax threshold. That's what this all comes down to. And we haven't heard the owner say, you know what, we will compromise and come to the middle and ease and meet in the middle on this luxury tax threshold and the penalties that we're trying to make worse for big market teams. That's what it all comes down to. And until you hear the owners moving towards raising the luxury tax threshold, easing the penalties on teams that pass it, there is no breakthrough as you're hearing. The breakthrough is the owner saying, all right, we will raise it up, raise it up to $230 million. I don't know, pick the number, but $214 million plus harsher penalties is not going to get anywhere. Get this closer. And I personally feel that the way the owners are handling this, it's a game of chicken. They want to test the union. They want to see the solidarity of the union. And the guys like Max Scherzer, uh, Clayton Kershaw, those guys, uh, Bryce Harper, those guys are going to be fine. But it feels like Major League Baseball wants to test the solidarity of some of the lower part of the union that don't make the millions of dollars that some of the top-tier guys do. So they're going to make them feel some pain before they agree. And that's fine. That's the way this all works. It's unfortunate, but I'm not going to get emotional over it. This is business, and that's just the way it's going right now. And I don't believe Major League Baseball is going to crack the union. They're just not. They might, but they're, I don't see that happening because I think some of these younger players are seeing the Max Scherzers and the Andrew Millers of the world fighting for them. Now, I will say this. I will say this. The owners have compromised. They have compromised on other things, like free agency. There was a draft pick attached to a free agent if he signed somewhere else. Um, that is something they are willing to take away. No more draft pick attached to a free agent. They're willing to limit the number of times a player can be sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, for instance, Mitchell White of the Dodgers last year optioned 11 different times to the minor leagues. They're willing to limit that to five. So in a lot of ways, the owners have made some real concessions, but the biggest one is the luxury tax threshold. And until they find a way to meet in the middle regarding that, there's not going to be a deal. And like I said, it's both sides. Both sides have to acknowledge that there are co concessions that need to be made that have been already made. I don't hear the players union saying much about the owners conceding no more draft pick attached to free agents. I haven't heard them say that it's a good concession that 
they will limit the number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues. Those are real concessions. Those are significant concessions by Major League Baseball and the owners. There's no doubt about it. But that's why I tell you, that's all well and good and makes sense. But until there's meeting in the middle regarding the luxury tax threshold, this is not going to be a breakthrough day or tomorrow. Until you hear that, it's not going to get done. And I believe the owners, similar to the way they handled things in 2016, they threatened to miss games. They they pushed the union to the brink, and the union just collapsed and basically gave in to whatever was being asked. They didn't really handle the negotiations really well the last time. And look, the players have put themselves in this position because they allowed Tony Clark to negotiate their last deal. He might be a great guy. He might be a smart guy, but he he doesn't belong one-on-one against Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball's negotiators. And the players, for that fact, had their priorities messed up. They were more concerned about extra seats on a bus, their food in the clubhouse, than they were about the actual financial ramifications of what they were conceding and agreeing to. So they the players only have themselves to blame to be in this spot. So, like I said, there is going to be no deal tonight. I would highly doubt there's a deal tomorrow. I feel like this will go into the middle of March, and players will have lost paychecks. There'll be a 150-game season, and they'll come to an agreement. And then from there, honestly, they've got to find a way to mend the fences and become partners, similar to the way the NBA is with Adam Silver. He may be a little bit too far on the player's side, but they have a great working relationship, and that's a big reason why the league thrives. It's not because uh, there's pushback from one side or the other. It's because they work as partners. And hopefully these negotiations, no matter when they end, hopefully sooner rather than later, Major League Baseball and its players union can be partners again because for a period of time, they did have harmony between each other. And they need to find a way to market this game and highlight the great things and the great players of this game. So hopefully when this is all said and done, they can turn their attention to that and turn their attention to be partners. And hopefully Rob Manfred can do that as well. You've got to be partners with the guys that make the league. Nobody is coming to see owners play. The owners make it happen, but... Without the players, you don't have a product. And I believe that was very apparent back in 1995 when they were just two days away from starting the regular season with scabs, replacement players in 1995. And the fans wanted no part of it. And the message was heard loud and clear. So I don't believe it's getting to that point. I really don't. No matter what you see on social media or online, it's not doomsday. The sport's not dead. This is not going to do irreparable damage to the sport. Uh, This is just unfortunate, and we all want baseball spring training to be going on right now, but the facts are it's going to be a little delayed. You'll still have your chance to go to uh, Arizona, to Camelback Ranch to do all that, but (laughs) it's going to be a little bit later than what it usually is, and I would just resist trying to get into the negativity. Uh, A lot of 
writers get emotional. There's a lot of negativity towards Rob Manfred, and a lot of it rightfully so. Uh, I don't believe he's led it the right way. He's got to find a way to stop being adversarial with the players and the media and become a partner. Become a partner with the players. And like I said, it takes two to tango. I'm not saying the players are absolved of anything, but honestly, because honestly, I feel like they have put themselves in this position. They're the ones that have put themselves in this spot where they're trying to get back so much in these negotiations that they themselves did not value and put an emphasis on the last couple of collective bargaining agreements. So that's where it all stands. Stay here. You know, stay here with me. We'll stay on the even keel. I get emotional during the season, but certainly not emotional when it comes to this. This is not something that I love talking about, and that's why I try to focus more on the hot stove when things do end, eventually will end, what the Dodgers will do, and we'll do that again very soon. Our next show is going to be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'll try to get somebody on the show. Friday night is another show this week at 7 o'clock. So that's what we got, and right now that's where it stands. And since we're on the topic of hot stove, I feel like I filled you in on everything labor lockout related. But I guess over the weekend, our friend Bob Nightingale, who I love, good guy, uh, in, in his labor Sunday column, he, he put a little note that he spoke to a former teammate of Clayton Kershaw, which is a very wide spectrum. Uh, it's, a, it's a big spectrum of people that he could have spoken to that Kershaw is either going to retire or pitch for the Texas Rangers. Look, I am on the record as saying I am super confident that Kershaw is going to be with the Dodgers when this season starts. No doubt about it. And I, I love Bob, but I disagree with him, and I disagree with whomever the anonymous teammate is. I don't know who that is. Is it somebody from 2008? Is it somebody from 2016? I don't know who that teammate is, but I can guarantee you nobody is going to recruit Clayton Kershaw. He's an independent thinker, and I just feel like he'll be back with the Dodgers. Uh, From what I understand, his arm is moving in the right direction as far as health. So that's a good thing for the Dodgers and a good thing for Clayton Kershaw. So that's where it all stands as far as uh, Kershaw. Uh, I'll believe it when I see him in a Rangers uniform. Now, retirement depends where his arm's at. Is there a huge setback? From what I understand, there isn't right now. And I don't know who that teammate is, but I can almost guarantee you that former Dodger teammate wasn't on the 2021 Dodgers. I'm just saying, I I don't know who that teammate was that Bob Nightingale spoke to, but I just don't see that happening. All right, that'll do it for us on Dodger Talk tonight. Coming up next will be UCLA basketball. They are running towards March Madness. It is coming up soon. Our next show is Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Thanks to Ronnie Fascio for all his help. In case you missed any of this show or last week's show with Joe Kelly at the In-N-Out drive-thru taking phone calls from you, you can find all of them on the iHeartRadio app. So we will talk to you on Wednesday night. Go Bruins. See ya.